Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Change. Change. Mark 2, 21 to 22. I was watching, I was sick this last week. I'm better, finally, just in time for the dunk tank. I was hoping I'd still be coughing a little. I was still hoping I'd be coughing a little bit still, but I, I don't think I got out of it. But the, <coughs> there's one, Ed. <coughs> there I go. All right, good. I knew I could do something. So anyway, I was watching, I was sick, so I watched a couple of movies this week. And one I watched was Late for Dinner. One of my, I know it's kind of a corny movie, but it's about these two brothers who get, uh, they're in a lot of trouble. One sick, one gets shot. They get frozen, cryonics. Then they wake up 30 years later and they're late for dinner and they come back to the, their family and the wife. And it's, it's really a cute story. But what's wild about it is the changes that they see. When they, when, when they went in and when they come out, 1962 to whatever it was, 1991, they came out and Everybody's dressed different, and they're acting different, and what they're wearing, and, and just it's just such a radical change. You can imagine what that would be like for them, the changes that go on. They're, it's like they came into a time warp. The interesting thing about that is that I did a, a renewal ministry for about three years. Before we started this church, I was d- traveled to all different churches around the Northeast, mostly, and did a renewal ministry, revival ministry, evangelism ministry, whatever you want to call it. And when I did that, I would go into churches, and it was like I was going back in time, (laughs) into a time warp. And it was crazy. For those who have only known this as your church, I think you'd be shocked at what what happens a lot. You go into these churches, and and just going in was like old, like all the furniture was old, and the the setting in the pews, and you're like, what are a pew? You know, that's what people sit in these wooden things. People sit in very uncomfortable, and got to keep people awake. And then they they would play an organ, right? And he's like, what an organ? Isn't that for hockey games? Yeah, they play an organ, and there's nothing against organ. I grew up with an organ every. Sunny, but the point is, that's all they would play was an organ, and nobody plays an organ anymore, right? And they would sing songs that were written in the 1600s or 1500s, and and uh, you know where I'm, 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 I'm. Stay with me. If you're offended, don't be offended because I'm going to come all full circle here in a minute. Uh, they would dress. They would expect everybody to dress. Uh, in a way that, like, you had to wear a tie and a, and a, and a uh, suit. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to wear a suit and a tie here, be our guest. I would love to feel free to come any way you want to come. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but they expected everybody to come like that. Uh, they would even tell me, make sure you wear your tie. They heard about my radical dress code. I come here, sure, this is for the picnic today, the picnic. Uh, they, 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 and, and it was like going back in time. And they would use a Bible that had really old English. I'm not going to pick on it, but they really old English. And, and, and I could understand because I grew up with that Bible. And I personally like that Bible a lot. But most people coming in as brand new to the, the, the faith wouldn't be, be able to be good to understand. It would be like reading Shakespeare to them, right? And it just kept going and going. It was like a time warp. And the same ministries, they had the same exact ministries that they had started 100 years before. Nothing changed. Nothing. And, and I'd get up to preach and there'd be about 10 people out there. That's all there was. Because they were stuck in a, in a time warp, all right? And, and, I, and they were dying churches, 
A lot of these, they would, they would hear, I had a, re- a revival ministry. They want me to come in and wake the church up. And I would say, listen, there's nothing to wake up here. This church is already dead. I would, do, I would say it nice. I'm, I'm being blunt now. Right? But I would, I would say it nice. Well, it might be better to redo, restart this church. I'd say it in a, in a tactful way. But what I was really telling them is the church was dead. There was nothing to revive here because the people were so set in their ways, they would not change one thing. And as a result, they lost touch with the culture. Now, you shouldn't change the message. The message never changes. The word of God, the message, the gospel never changes. But if we don't change the way we reach the culture, adapt to the culture and our methods, not the message, but our methods, the church dies. And it was so bad that these churches were barely hanging on. Somebody had died and left them $100,000, $200,000, and they were surviving on that money. They couldn't even come up with enough money for their offering. But they were surviving on what they were given because somebody had passed passed away and left them the money and the will. And I said, listen, that money's running out. Why don't you take this building, which is worth, and some of these buildings were worth a million dollars. They were antique buildings, you know, stained glass windows, all this stuff. I said, you probably could get a million dollars for this building. Why don't you, there's a really good church right across the road from you. They meet in the school, <laughs> you know, they're, they're really vibrant, you know. Why don't you Go join with them, sell this building, and give it to the missionaries. You could give it to the mission field and plant thousands of churches all over the world with the money from this church. No, this is our church. We're never going to give it up. This was their attitude. And, and sure enough, I've heard now 10 years later, a lot of them closed down and, and they lost the church. They were taken away. And the problem is so many of us get stuck in, in, in ministry and spiritually, we get stuck. And Jesus makes, is going to teach us here in this passage that change, spiritual change is very important. Now, to set this up, we already saw that the Pharisees were attacking Jesus, right? They were mad at him because he was eating with sinners. Then they were mad because he was eating at all, right? They wanted him to fast, right? And, and you might be thinking, boy, these guys are hard to please, aren't they? These guys are tough. Well, that's why they're called Pharisees. Remember the song? Uh, Pharisee, because they're not fair, you see, right? And I will sing, when my voice comes back next week, I'll probably sing it again. But the, add a few verses to that. But, but they're, they're not fair. These guys aren't fair. They're all about rules. We talked about that. If you missed it, get the CDs, get the tapes. But before we look at Jesus' response, let me pray. Father, we just pray as we look at this passage from Jesus that it's really hard for us to change once we get comfortable, once we like something a certain way. Lord, we just pray that we would be open to what you want, not what we want, not what we like, not what makes us feel good, but what what do you want us as a church and as individuals, how do you want us to reach out to people and minister to people? What is your call on us? Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up here. Mark chapter 2. We'll pick it up verse 21. Jesus said, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. 
And Jesus is making a point here to the Pharisees who had their traditions and also they try to follow the law very closely. He said, I'm going to do something new here. He's giving a, a hint of what's going to come out in the rest of the book of Mark that Jesus is getting ready to do something brand new. It's going to be radically different because the law was good. We're going to see that the law is good, but Jesus came to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the law on the cross. In fact, in Romans 10.4, in Romans 10.4 it says, see we got that one. Ah, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. <coughs> when he says Christ is the end of the law, the word end there means completion. It means the goal. If you're running a race and you cross the finish line, you have reached the goal. If uh, The women playing in the World Cup today, they're trying to shoot the, the ball into the goal. That's scoring the goal. That's what Jesus did. He scored the goal. He completed the purpose of the law. He didn't say the law was bad. He said it was good, given by God, and I've come to complete the law. That's what Jesus did. <clears throat> he lived a perfect life. So he lived out the law, the commandments of the law. He never broke the law. And then he paid the penalty of the law. Because we all, we all broke the law. But he never did. So he was able to pay our penalty. He was our substitute. He took our place and he paid the penalty, the price of the law, which was death. He paid it on the cross on himself so that now we can become right with God. We can have a relationship with God even though we've broke the law. We can still be reconciled to God, have a relationship with God by believing in Jesus Christ. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. When we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, what he did on the cross, we become right with God because his righteousness is put on us. We come under the blood of Christ. We come under the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what happens. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and given your life to him, put your trust in him? So the law is good, but Jesus is also going to make a point here, and he makes it throughout all the, the rest of the book of Mark, that the law was good, but all the traditions of the Pharisees are not good. Those are bad, all right? Those are man-made traditions. A lot of man-made traditions in religion now, isn't there? A lot of man-made traditions. And, they, and these traditions said you had to follow these man-made traditions in order to earn salvation, in order to get right with God, in order to be, go to heaven someday. You had to not only follow the law, but you had to follow all these man-made traditions that the Pharisees were inventing. And you see, the whole idea of being good enough to get to heaven, the whole idea of being good enough and earning your way into heaven... Christianity, understand this, Christianity, what Jesus establishes here is the only religion, I don't want to call it religion, but it's the only religion versus all the other religions, every other cult, every religion in the world, every cult in the world, every other teaching teaches that you have to be good enough. To, you have to earn your way to God. You have to be good. You have to follow certain rules. The Muslims have a certain system. The Hindus, the the Every different, the, the Mormons, everybody has a different system where you have to earn your way to heaven. Even a lot of Christian groups that have gotten off track, you have to earn your way into heaven. You have to earn your way even through a purgatory or all different ways to, to get to heaven. But the Bible is very clear that you can only receive the gift that Jesus gives. And we receive it by putting our faith in him. That's, the, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. And if you really want to see this clearly, I have a really good book on the back table there. You can... Uh, Take one, buy one, whatever you want to do. It's, it's called, So What's the Difference? 
So what's the difference? It compares Christianity with every other religion, every other cult out there, okay? And Jesus says, I'm going to do something radically different. I'm going to wipe out all these man-made traditions that, that people are saying you have to follow. And I'm going to fulfill the law. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to pay the price. Remember the law demanded a lamb? The lamb that was a substitute and the, the people had to put their head hands on this lamb and this priest would slit its throat and then they would burn the lamb as a sacrifice and that lamb was symbolically taking the sins of, of, of the person who put their hands on their head and that's a picture. How would you like to do that in church? All right? How would you like to come and have to do that in church? That's what they had to do. But Jesus, in Hebrews it says Jesus died once for all. Once for all, no need, no more need for the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, no need anymore because the sins were put on Jesus on the cross. He was the Lamb, and, and, and He was the one who died. All the sins that ever were committed or ever will be committed were symbolically placed on Him. And what it takes, we don't put our hands on Jesus Christ, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in Him. We say, I trust you, Jesus, to take my sin. I trust you to forgive me. I trust you to, to take my life and make me a brand new person. When you do that, that that's, that's something radically new, radically different that Jesus has done. He's going to give away salvation. He's going to give it away. And he uses two examples of the radical change here that he will bring to both the Jewish religion, Judaism, and to all the traditions that were followed. And these same principles apply to all the religions of the world and traditions of the world. The first one is the, the cloth, the cloth, where he says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Now, in Jesus' time, there were no clothing stores. Right? Now you want clothes, I've got a couple daughters, right? You know, you go to the store and you buy lots of clothes. You don't need closets full of clothes. We have closets full of clothes, right? Even I have way more clothes than I'll ever need. Kimo's like, what kind of clothes do you want for your birthday? Don't give me any clothes. I don't want clothes. Give me, give me something I could use. Give me books. I love to read. All right, so, so she's like, no, you need clothes. They've got holes. They're fine. They're fine. All right? All right, but I could wear one pair of shorts and shirt for the whole summer. I really could. I'm that kind of guy, right? So and some of you say, I've noticed you do that. Yes, I do. Okay, so. But in Jesus' time, there were no clothing stores. People really only had one or two pair of clothes, one set of clothes. And when, when it went, they had to really, they had to take the wool and make it into, you know, clothing. And it took a long time. It was a big pain. And they would constantly keep patching up their clothes, patching clothes. They tried to make clothes last as long as they could because, because it was hard to make the clothing. There was no clothing store to go to. There was no mall to go to, all right? And Jesus points out, something they could all relate to very well. If you're going to do that, there's the law of shrinkage. If you're going to patch clothing up, you can't use brand new cloth to patch up something old because it's going to shrink. There's the law of shrinkage, all right? Most of us don't really relate to shrinkage because we don't patch our clothes or don't experience that. I remember we went to New York City couple years ago, maybe five, six years ago now, and we were there, and we were at the Statue of Liberty with some friends. We were showing the Statue of Liberty. We went out there, and when we got off the boat coming back to the ferry, there was a guy selling t-shirts, and there were all these cool t-shirts with Statue of Liberty and New York City. I love New York and all that, and they were only like $2 a piece. We're like, wow, what a deal. This is amazing. In New York City, $2 a shirt. We 
got all the kids one right away. We got out the money and we got all the kids a t-shirt. A lot of them put them right on. They were in them around New York City. That was a great time. These are great $2 t-shirts. And we got home and Kim, they're all dirty and threw them in the wash. And the next day we had doll clothes. They were tiny, tiny little shirts. I don't know what they made them out of, but these things shrunk. No wonder they're $2. They're yeah, we were like, no wonder they charge $2. What did they make these things out of? They were tiny little shirts. We couldn't even believe they happened, you know? And, and this is a shrinkage. Well, this is, this, was, uh, this is what happens. Jesus' point is, that's what happens if you put something new on something old. It rips apart. And Jesus says, I'm going to do something new, radically different, and it won't fit with the law anymore, and it won't be accepted by the Pharisees and all their traditions. It's something new. Then he goes on, <coughs> excuse me, to talk, uh, that dunk tank is getting further away all the time. <coughs> yes, definitely, I feel something. All right, so, the, uh, the, then he talks about the wineskins. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Now, in Jesus' time, now we know if you have wine, you have it in a glass you know, bottle, right? But at this time, glass was very, very scarce in Jesus' day. Very expensive, very scarce. But what was common were animals. So what they would take was a sheep or a goat skin. They would skin the animal, keep it all intact, and they would tie the arms and legs off, and they would make an opening in the top, and they'd put all the wine, as they they'd step on the grapes and create wine, they would pour the wine into the, the, the animal's skin, seal it off, and then they would leave it there to ferment. That's how they would make, if you wanted to drink wine back then, you didn't get a bottle, you got an animal skin, you drank out of the, the sheep skin, all right? And, and because animal skins can, can stretch quite a bit. Growing up on a farm, uh, I remember once in a while the cows would eat something they shouldn't eat. They would get into some kind of, uh, they'd be out in the pasture and eat some kind of a plant that would cause bloating. Or maybe they'd get into, they'd get out of their pen and they'd go eat some of the corn silage that was really like fermenting and they'd start eating it. And then we would see the cow laying there sick and her stomach was starting to bloat. And right away we wanted to do, we had these pills that would, what kind of pill is uh, sulfur or something. We would take these pills and we'd take this like plunger and we'd big long, it was like a plunge. We had a plunger, you put it in them and you shoot it down their throat. Alright? And uh, it was a plunger. I'm getting, I'm getting Ed back. Okay, anyway. So, the, um, so then that would hopefully deal with it. But if that didn't work, then the, we'd call a vet and the vet would come over and they'd take this long hose and they put, the cows have how many stomachs? I can't remember now. Four, four stomachs, four stomachs. He'd be trying to find which stomach was bloating up. You know, he had the hose down there, pulling it up, shooting it down there. And one time the cow was really getting bad. It, it was laying down. I'll never forget. It was so big. I couldn't believe how big it was. We were like, it's going to explode any minute. I never saw an exploding cow. I know there's rumors. I never saw it happen. But, but no kidding. We were taking needles with, needles with openings and sticking them in and just letting the air come through the needles, just trying to get it out before this cow died, right? This cow, you couldn't believe how much a cow could could stretch well cow animal skins are very very flexible they can get very very big and that's why they would use them for the wine but even then they can only stretch so far Jesus is saying and Jesus is saying they only can stretch so far if you put new wine into an animal skin that's already been expanded by wine by fermentation if you do it's going to burst 
And you're going to lose the skin and you're going to lose the wine. He's making that point. And he's making a very important point that he's not coming to combine Christianity with the law. Because the law and Christianity is all about grace. It's a gift. The law and grace do not mix. He says, I'm coming to complete the law. We're going to see this all the way through the book of Mark. I'm coming to complete the law. I'm coming to fulfill the purpose. I'm the ultimate sacrifice. We talked about that already. So that everybody can receive mercy and grace. But the Pharisees could not accept this message. They couldn't accept it. They couldn't take it. Because not only they're losing the law, but they're losing their precious traditions that they've come up with that are far beyond the law, right? We talked about the last few weeks. In fact, in Luke 5, in Luke chapter 5, verses 37 to 39, it's a parallel passage, but there's one extra verse. Listen to what it says. Um, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. No one after getting used to the old system, the old law, the old traditions wants the new. They say the old is better. Isn't that true? As we try to share our faith with someone who's under the law or under religion, and you try to share the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's hard for them to let go of all those traditions they grew up with and all the things that they learned and all the rituals. Even though they're not in the Bible, they still have trouble letting go of them. Isn't that true? Jesus is, now, Jesus here is talking about fulfilling the law and wiping out man-made traditions, but there's a really important principle for us today. And the important principle for us today is that when we minister, when we reach out, when we share the gospel with other people, <coughs> excuse me, we must constantly adapt. We must constantly adapt. With every new generation, with every new people group, if you're a missionary going out to another new culture, you have to adapt. With a new generation, if we want to reach a new generation, we have to adapt. We have to stay flexible in our ministry. Even with a church plant, we're only 10 years old now, but we can get set in our ways. We have to stay flexible in our ministry, stay flexible in how we witness to people, because our message never changes. Never changes, but our methods must change. Back to music. I'll go back to the music thing, because that's an easy one, and for those who've been around long enough know what I'm talking about. I the whole, there's, there's been a war in, in the Christian churches in America for probably the last 30 years over music. Should we sing hymns? Should we sing praise songs? Should we sing the newer stuff? And, and it's just amazing. We, we don't, here we don't have those wars. We all like try to flex and, and, and give everybody an entry point into some kind of a music. That's why sometimes we use hymns. Sometimes we use the newer stuff. We try to give everybody a chance to connect to worship as much as possible. Now, I know those who love hymns have to keep reminding Mike and Laurie because they're not used to them. You know, hey, you know, we got to do more hymns. And, and, uh, and, and so, but the point is we really try at our church to, to give people an entry point with all different kinds of music. But 
a lot of churches, there's been a war. In fact, I remember when I first was a youth pastor, I was in a church, and all they sang was, were hymns. And I was a youth pastor, so I really wanted to make worship accessible to the younger people, too, because they didn't want to come to church. They say, Pastor Chuck, is boring. I fall asleep. I don't sing with an organ. What's, what's an organ? You know, what is that instrument? You know, we want a guitar, you know? And so I, once in a while, I would talk the worship leader into using a guitar <gasps> and even drums, <gasps> you know? And, uh, and, uh, and this was scary for years ago. Right, 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I was a youth pastor. It was scary. And the, the, and I would use, they were called uh, praise songs. They, they were out of the book of Psalms. And, and now they would seem really old to you guys. But they, at that time they were radical, very, very radical. And I remember some people coming up to me after church, cornering me, some elderly people. And they cornered me and they said, you're ruining our church. You're, I go, Me? You know, the youth pastor, how am I ruining your church? You're destroying our worship here. Before you came, we did worship right, but you're destroying it. I go, how? Those new songs aren't biblical. And I said, well, which ones? And they named a few. I go, well, let me show you where they came from. I took them right to the book of Psalms, and I read the psalm exactly word for word, what we were singing. I go, so they are biblical, but the hymn that you want me to sing, show me where you find that in the Bible. I was cruel. But anyway, the, uh, they couldn't find it because it was a good song. The hymns are very biblically themed, but they're not right out of the Bible, most of them. They're written spiritual songs, which nothing wrong with that. But my point to them was, I was being more biblical than they were. But what they really had a problem with was the style. And, and, and thankfully, in time, a lot of them did flex, and uh, they did see how important it was, and we developed a couple different styles of worship and different services, and, and good things happened at that church. But the point was, there's so, we, we get so stuck in what we, we like, and the, you know what I found here? We, we probably don't do enough hymns, and it's because we're trying to reach a certain generation here in New Hope, but what I really like is the people that really love hymns here, you know what they have all said to me? We, we, we would like more hymns, and they remind us every once in a while, but they've consistently said, but we know what you're trying to do, and we believe in the vision of this church. We know who you're trying to reach, and so I'm going to get my worship at home. I'll use Elizabeth Kiefer. She says it to me all the time. She's homesick, by the way, so pray for her, but she says to me all the time, I get my worship at home. I'll put in my hymns at home because that's what I really like to worship with, and I know when I come that I'm helping other people worship. And I recognize that, that that's not going to help the newer generation worship. And that's a really mature response, right? And that's the response all of us should have. Not just, I just use worship. There's a lot of different things. A lot of different things in church, right? What is best for reaching, the, reaching out and helping others come to Christ? What, what, is God, what does God want us to do? And I really appreciate the spirit of the people here, all of you guys here, because we all have that attitude. And, and I think Mike and Lori really appreciate it. It's hard to be worship leaders. You get beat up a lot, and, and I think they've, they really appreciate the, all the grace and, and people being behind them here because uh, people have that right spirit. The church in the United States must change continually or it will die. Not the message. No, a lot of churches change the message. That'll kill it too. Those churches are dying too. Not the, not the gospel, but the methods that we use. We have to change or the church will die. How is God calling us as a church to reach others with new wineskins? What will he use 
here to reach family and friends and neighbors? And, and what will he use? <clears throat> we have to continually take each ministry before God. Even a ministry that's been very successful. <coughs> that, t- that tank is out. So I, the, uh, I, walking pneumonia, I can feel it. So the, uh, we have to take each ministry and take before God and say, God, every year, is this one that we should flex with and adapt? Is this one that we should uh, fold, stop it, be, do away with it? Or is this one we should go with? And it has to be a constant, constant thing. Because once we get stuck, we stop reaching out. And I'll give you some ministry examples. Youth group. Youth group is something you have to constantly be adapting all the time. In fact, we have a fly right behind us. And, and, and what's great here as a church, we have two summer interns. We have Amanda. Amanda, stand up. And Chris. Chris and Amanda, stand up. Where are you guys? Stand up, stand up. Chris and Amanda. Where's Amanda? There's Amanda in the back. There are youth interns because... I'm too old. Joe and I are too old for this, right? All right. So we, we are smart enough. Okay, you guys can sit down. The, uh, we were smart enough to know that we needed some youth interns that were younger than us that know how to relate to the teenagers better than us. So if you get call, your kids get calls from these guys, that's because we, we know that they're more effective at relating to the teenagers. But also even the youth, even the youth flyer, you see the constant changing. Center Shot is a brand new ministry with, with the, the, the bow and arrow. It's working great. It's amazing what's going on with that. And, and the paintball is another great example. You know, paintball. Uh, the rant. We never had a rant before. We have a rant and spikes now going on. And, and God's really using them. We're doing a beach trip this week. Uh, if you want to go on the beach trip, see Amanda or Chris and let them know because we have to plan for transportation. That's this Thursday. We're going to do the big beach trip. But the point with youth ministry is it has to constantly change. There's nothing more deadly with youth ministry than to get stuck in the same old, same old. Because the youth culture changes constantly. Uh, CEF. I want Ian to come on up here and share for a few minutes about CEF. CEF is a child evangelism fellowship that's reaching the new generation. They're always looking for new ways and, and to reach them. And I'll just let Ian share for a few minutes. And he's going to show a little clip, too, of what he's been doing this summer. Because this is another great example. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. Um, I only have a few minutes, and I have a bunch of stuff to say, so I'm going to have to move quickly. But um, I want to, first of all, thank all the people in this church building right now that I know supported me for the summer, because I really appreciate without you it wouldn't be possible. I'd also like to thank my mom for waking up at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning sometimes to bring me to CF, and then going out at 11 o'clock to bring me home. So I'd really like to thank her for that. Um, basically, right now, what I want to do is I want to just say my experience with what, I, what we've been doing this summer. I've been spending a lot of time in Philadelphia, um, Kensington and that part of Philadelphia. And uh, it, this is really the first summer we've been doing this. It's called Flood Philly. We have about, we've trained about 300 people and we went into Philadelphia and did kids clubs and stuff like that. But this, this year it was, it was really interesting because I got to see Kensington for the first time. I'm not sure how many people have actually seen Kensington. I know I heard about it, but I just want to share my experience with what I saw, and what I saw wasn't good. I saw um, drugs. I saw a lot of drugs, and this is just from walking around the streets. I saw needles in the streets. I saw needle wrappers. I saw basically every kind of drug paraphernalia that you could find just walking around looking down at the street. It's not like it's the strange thing down there. Um, I saw a lot of prostitution, things like that. I saw a lot of, um, we actually by where we were, there was um, actually a stabbing. And then a couple days ago, there was a shooting. 
right by where we were. Um, a lot of violence. The people there are very violent-centered. They'll, they'll usually just do anything they can to get what they want. Um, and there's no trash cans. They all throw their trash on the streets. So you walk down there and you just feel just dirty walking around because it's the, the, the environment they live in is just, you know, there'll be every kind of trash will be on the street, no matter what it is. Um, and these people are in a bad way. And they don't have any hope for where they are. They don't have any hope at all. And we talk to them, and they don't know anything. Like some of them, they don't. What's the Bible? We always say, "Have you ever heard of God?" You know what the Bible is. They've, like, yeah, God is. We had one kid say that God um, came into his house at night and just took his mom, or and you know, and hurt his sister, and all these other things. And he had, the, he honestly had God mixed up with Satan, is what he what he was doing. He had God, he had no idea who God was. We had to explain to him, we had to go all through all week explain to him who God was. Um, but the thing about Kensington is that people are needed to help. And you don't have to be CEF trained, you don't have to be trained at all. You, you don't, what, you, what, people, what they need down there is people who are willing to help evangelize to other people. You can get involved with a church like Cornerstone. I know Megan is involved with The Rock. Places like that, we, they would they love to have people come down and help them. And honestly, it's an hour away from home. This isn't a foreign mission. This is right by your house. And everything you'd see in a third world country is in Kensington. And people really need your help. And CEF has been a great ministry for me and for my brother Tyler because, you know, we've been able to get down there and see this. But I would really encourage the rest of you guys and myself too because I'd like to keep on going all throughout the year to maybe get, maybe just once, maybe just drive through and just see how much it's needed. And because, and this, the one thing I want to end with is there's a, um, there's one thing that I've really been focusing on because it's kind of scary being down there, I'm not going to lie. But the one thing I've always focused, um, we have, in one of the songs we sing, um, one of the choruses is, um, and if our God is for us, then what, who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against and that's true because we've had, we've had 350 teenagers and we've been down there for three weeks now and not one person has been hurt. Not one person has been attacked in any way. Nothing's happened like that. And truly our God is greater than any other. And that's just, that's just a, such a great thing to stand on. Thank you. And we're going to show a video from CEF and this is just kind of about what we've done. But it's really not about CEF. It's not about our experience. It's about what has happened it's not about, you know what I mean? And we've really reached a lot of kids, and that's great. But I really would like to see more. Because Kensington is such a big area, and it needs, it needs a lot. It needs more. And that's, thank you. That's what I'm talking about, exactly that. Thank you, Ian. And talk to Ian if you want to know more about that. And I'm sure our teens, we have plans for our teens for this year with that, group, that whole ministry. So it's awesome. Chuck Harrison, you know, just talking about adapting and reaching out. Chuck Harrison's down at the beach, you know, with a bunch of evangelists, a bunch of folks just sharing on the boardwalk. They usually witnessed about 1,000 people on a weekend. The, um, the Shields go in the Philippines and, and training the third world missionaries to reach back into their, their tribes and reach their own people. The witnessing class with, with the Bixels, they're teaching you how to, to adapt to your situation. Each person is, is a, a 
individual and, and how to reach them with each different person with the unchanging gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.22 and Paul says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Becoming all, learning how to become all things to all men. How to reach everybody in, in their own way. The, um, you, th- you think of even a church plant from here. You know, Our church does a great job reaching a certain group, but there's a whole new generation out there. I think of that. They call it the iPod generation. So many of them are dropping out of church, you know, the high school, college age, dropping out of church. I would just love for our church to plant out another church to this generation, the iPod generation, the ones that kind of board here, but have a church. I don't even know what it would look like. Maybe they'd all have a cell phone. They'd be texting. The pastor would be up here texting messages, and they'd all be reading and texting back, you know. I don't know what it would take to reach this iPod generation. I'm not, I'm not that generation, but, but I would you know, love to see us have a, a church that plants out, that, that does something like this, that, that does, uses Facebook, whatever it takes to, to, to reach this new, new group in the... <coughs> Some of you remember in the 70s, it was the Jesus movement that, that spawned this whole group that, that these churches, the Calvary Chapels and the Four Square churches that, that reached this whole new generation. Well, now we're all old. You know, the hippies are old. You know, we've got to think of a way to reach the iPod generation. What, what next will God do? Uh, something we're going to try in a couple of weeks. Two weeks from now, we're going to show the Soul Surfer movie. You have little tickets in your bulletin, and there's more on the table. Use these. Invite people. If you haven't seen the Soul Surfer, it's a really touching movie uh, about Bethany Hamilton, who was attacked by the shark, and how her faith carried her through this whole... It's just a really powerful, powerful movie. Uh, wanna, uh, we're going to have the tickets... Give them out. Get everybody you can out. We're going to start at 10 sharp. It's a two-hour movie. So we're actually starting at 10. So make sure you're here. Uh, it, it is a, a beach movie. So the surfers, they have bikinis on and stuff. That's what they wear. It's competition. It's not exploitative at all and it, or anything like that. But just warn you. Also, if you have kids, we will have a... a class for kids that day if you think they don't show much as far as a shark attack it's not like jaws or anything but but there is a shark attack so you're gonna have to use your judgment on, on what age but we'll have something for the kids but i i personally found most of my kids could could watch it but the point is how are we going to reach the next generation jesus teaches us to adapt the message stays the same just the message change change the, me, the methods message stays the same the methods change say that 10 times fast how is God speaking to us? Who is he calling us to reach? How is he calling us to reach them? Maybe he's speaking to you because you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. You've never become the new, that new person yet. You realize that something, today you realize that God wants to change you. He wants to do something brand new in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Maybe you're still the old and God wants to make you into a brand new person. And you can have that by putting your faith in him. The one thing that never changes, we always stick to John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and become a brand new person? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe we've got the hardening of the attitudes and God's speaking to us about saying, God, how do you want to reach others through me, through our church? Who are you calling me to reach? 
Maybe it's even going down to Kensington. You watch that movie, you say, well, that, that's a great video. All those young kids down there, maybe he wants all of us down there. Are we willing to say, God, wherever, whatever? Maybe the change is you. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Letting him make you a new person. It doesn't take religion. It doesn't take a ritual. You don't need a pastor or a priest. It's just between you and God, that relationship. <clears throat> it's a prayer from your heart to God's heart. Just say, God, I, I believe Jesus is your son. And he died on the cross for me, for my sin. And I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him for forgiveness. I give my life to Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer to God, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Let me know. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Email me. Call me. Whatever however you want to tell me. Tell me. Tell someone you came with, a good friend. Tell somebody so that we can encourage you in your brand new life. So we can be excited for you. Father, I pray for our church and each of us that you would maximize our impact. We don't want to just play church or do church. We want to really make a difference for you, Father. I pray that for our church and every person here. In Jesus' name.